Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good morning and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you somewhere from Georgia in a remote destination. And it is the 31st day of August 2014. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for sharing the show. And thank you for the loyal listeners that I didn't produce <clears throat> any material for almost a month and still got um, my loyal listeners to download the show, even though the audio was, let's just face it, it was crap. So I've made some adjustments here on the back end. Hopefully we've gotten some of the gremlins worked out. But this is a tape show this morning. Uh, was not going to be able to air it live at 11 o'clock. So I did want to at least fulfill my end of the bargain, and that is to produce some kind of content at least once a week. I'm shooting for twice a week, guys, but um, bear with me. We're still doing some transition stuff here. And as soon as I get settled in a in a nice home, weeks, then we'll be able to push forward with the regularly scheduled broadcast and also be sure to check out our stuff on onestepbeyond.me. That is myself and Josh Wiley. Compilation of deeper dives into material that we find interesting. Um, currently, the material that we're working on is um, the the Nazis, who they were, what their ideology was, just so we can get a better understanding of history. Because sometimes the history books that we have and that we've studied might not be as accurate as the ones that eh, might reside on those dusty shelves somewhere. Then really nobody has access to and the books are hundreds of dollars. So with that being said, we are going to touch on a couple of different topics today. First and foremost, Henry Kissinger came out and talked about a new world order. And once again, everybody, this is not some pie-in-the-sky, cartoonish underbelly of some radical ideology that space aliens or um, something of that nature is going to come down and get us. This was a plan developed by Cecil John Rhodes, and it is being carried out pretty well, I might add, um, through modern time. So, In order to understand where this all came from, who the players are, what the roles are, and what the roles of the society leaders are, we have to at least understand where this all began, the idea of globalization through the British East or the British Empire or through the Anglo-American establishment, however you want to call it. But it is, yes, it is based on a idea that the the white Anglo male was the <clears throat> most cognizant of liberty most cognizant of other people's emotions. And so that's why the culture was supposed to be spread throughout the world. And Cecil Rhodes being a, uh, what's the best word to describe him? Being funded by the Rothschilds, it will be infinitely important to understand who are the people that were funding this idea, funding the idea of globalism, funding the idea of empire, or at least the change of the human perspective through empire. And as we move through society and as we move through these years, know that all of these things that are coming to pass are not things that just randomly appeared and some scientists said, maybe this is a good idea. I mean, there are portions of that. I mean, we'll see that throughout history. There are portions of people that are off the reservation that come in and have great ideas and, and have you know, human ingenuity and and develop something that strikes a chord with people and then they take that and they run with it. But what we're seeing now is absolutely terrifying for somebody like myself that that spent a lot of time researching the Illuminati and that perspective and then found that it was a lot of it wasn't very realistic. It was a lot of cartoon figure esque bad guys with smoke and mirrors and it just didn't seem to make sense. So when I dug a little deeper and started finding, you know, through Josh Wiley, some other material 
that's when it started to make sense. I understood that there was something wrong. I understood that there might have been a plan dis- or at least a, a rough outline of what they were going to try to do to society. But now, the more you read, the more you understand what the end goal is. And the end goal is not for our benefit, especially for us here in the first world. The The benefit is to... And I know this sounds absolutely crazy, but to deindustrialize the first world in order to bring us down to the second and third world and create the fourth world, which would be everybody sharing materials. It's kind of an idea of social world socialism, and it was developed by a group of people that that look at life a little bit differently than we do. They look at it in steps, they look at it in increments, and they try to utilize, they're called Fabian Socialists, so the Fabian Society, they believe that they could bring about change through a long period of slow changes, which is actually very, very accurate because it's kind of the boiling frog mentality. If you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, the frog's going to jump out, but if you put a frog into some water and then slowly turn up the temperature, the frog won't know any better, and then the frog will eventually eventually die. So with that being said, it's to understand how society is being manipulated and to understand why we're going through all of these changes and why all these technologies are being pushed and why you have people from both the left and the right talking about similar things and the benefits of it, and then they'll give a side note as to this might be a downfall, but for the most part, it's good. So we're going to be getting into that. We're going to be getting into the overarching plan that we're facing here, why it's so scary, and how it has been adopted through the through the mass culture, not through us actively, but passively through the culture and through the through the government schooling and all these other things that play into our lives as everyday human beings. We can only defend so much propaganda before it starts to seek in even a little bit. Because it happens to me. So I know that I should be on the air talking about college football and Georgia winning yesterday. And that kind of stuff excites me for about two and a half hours while the game is actually being played. And then I move on to bigger and better things that that I think are very important. And so that's why, once again, the, the show was created in order to get people to understand that that what we talk about is not conspiracy theory. Remember, that was a term developed by the CIA back in the 1970s to combat people that didn't buy the official narrative of the JFK investigation. And I'll link to that executive order in the show notes today. And I know that I haven't got the show notes up from yes or last Sunday, but I'll get them up today as well. Because it's very important for us to have these conversations in a non-emotional, purely factual Because if you can show that the government put out this idea, that the government put out this idea of the the conspiracy theory, it has now become a catch-all for almost everything. It's a catch-all for for people that don't believe in vaccinations, that believe that maybe, just maybe, that there might be something in the vaccines that could be causing damage causing damage to to us, to be making us sick. Because there's a lot of money involved in vaccinations. Let's face it. And yes, it's the easiest thing that, that you could ever sell to somebody is their future health. I mean, how easy is that to sell? Hey, if you take this, you're going to be healthier in the future. You're not going to you're not going to have any risk of disease. You're not going to have any risk of X, Y, and Z. That sounds very, very good to me as a layperson. That sounds fantastic. Wait a minute. So if I take this shot, I'm not going to get really, really sick later. That's all I got to do is take the shot and pay you twenty five dollars. That sounds like a great deal. But then we look at the people that are involved, and that's where things start to change. So we have to be aware of all of these these seal these I guess possible challenges. And you also have to be aware that that people will be emotional about what you're talking about if you decide to engage people in conversation about the things that I talk about. 
Just understand that the emotions are what they have perceived to be reality might not be so. If they watch television a lot, if they watch um, mainstream news, if they subscribe to the idea that the New York Times is there to tell you the truth, then they're going to they're going to actually come at you and attack you for trying to bring up the idea that maybe that just maybe you're not being told the whole story because your government will never lie politicians will never lie to you and that's the kind of mind control that we need to break is the idea that human beings will never lie that everything that i see is the truth and if i take everything at face value then my life is going to be great because I don't have to think. It's double plus good. That kind of stuff. And for all of you that don't know, that was a that was a reference to a brave new world. <laughs> might have run some, you know, might have head up some mind control experiments at the CIA, but that's not really a big deal. So when the head of the CIA under the mind control experiments under MK, you know, Ultra, Naomi, and all these other projects, when he writes a book that talks about what he thinks the future is going to be, that's probably nothing you should pay attention to because it's fiction. It's just fiction, people. It's fiction. So let's get started. Um, Where to begin? We have – I've got four different articles that I really want to touch today. I remember the Sunday show is going to be an amalgamation of a news magazine slash information. So hopefully you guys will take a lot out of the show today. But let's start with Henry Kissinger, and then I'm going to play an audio clip for you guys. So here is the title of the article, and it is from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> here we go. And it says, Henry Kissinger on the assembly of a new world order. But remember, everybody, this is a different one than what I'm talking to you about. This is a good guy. These are the good guys. This is not the Rhodes Roundtable experience. This is not the Milner um, spinoff. This is none of that. This is not eugenics. This is this is completely loving and good. And there's, I mean, come on. This just sounds like fun. But remember, I am a 1970s term conspiracy theorist because I don't believe that politicians are going to tell me the truth, nor very large international political leaders, nor do I believe that international bankers and internationalists are ever going to tell you what they want the world to be because (laughs) if the public only knew what they had in store for them. Oh, and the economy's fake, by the way. Oh, yeah, and Wall Street's fake because they take three days to make your trade. Oh, yeah, and LIBOR's fake, so your interest rates are fake. Oh, yeah, but nah, don't ever put all that stuff together. Because if you did, then you'd actually want to change the world and say, hey, this is kind of a fraud. There's no reason that we should have 25,000 people a day dying from starvation. We can feed the world like three times over. What the hell are we doing? Nah, there's no money in peace, everybody. So let's get ripping. Once again... Henry Kissinger on the assembly of a new world order that doesn't exist. Conspiracy theorists. I'm going to say that the conspiracy theorists for even saying that. It says, Libya is in civil war. Fundamentalist armies are building a self-declared caliphate state across Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan, and young democracy is on the verge of paralysis. These are the troubles that added to the refuse of the tensions um, with Russia and the relationship with China divided between Plagues of cooperation and public recriminalization. The concept of the concept of order that has been underpinned in the modern area is in crisis. Yes, the Anglo-American establishment is in crisis because people are finding out that you guys are a bunch of bullies. The search for world order has long been defined as almost exclusively by concepts of Western society. In decades following World War II, the U.S. strengthened its relationship and economy and national confidence and began to take up the torch of international leadership and added a new dimension, which is code for saying imperialism. A nation founded explicitly on the idea of free and representative governance, which is all but gone now, the U.S. identifies its own rise to spread liberty and democracy and credited these forces with the ability to achieve just and lasting peace. Double plus good. 
and tradition. Brought to you by Cecil John Rhodes. To order has viewed people in the states as inherently cooperative, or excuse me, competitive, and the constraining effects of the clashing's ambitions. It relied on the balance of power and concept of enlightened statesmen. The prevalent U.S. the prevalent American view considered people inherently responsible and inclined towards peaceful compromise and common sense. The spread of democracy was therefore an overreaching goal of international order. Free markets would uplift individuals, enrich societies, and substitute economic independence for traditional international rivalries. This effort to establish a world order has in many ways come to fruition. The plethora of independent sovereign states govern most of the world's territory. The spread of democracy and participatory government has become a shared aspiration, if not universally of a universal reality. Wait. That doesn't even make sense. The spread of... I read this earlier and it didn't make sense either. The spread of democracy and participatory governments governance has become a shared aspiration, if not a universal reality. Global communications and f- fiscal networks operate in real time. That doesn't even make any sense because there's areas that don't want democracy. But, I mean, Wall Street Journal says it, so it has to be true. In the years perhaps in the years from perhaps nineteen eighty or excuse me nineteen forty eight, the turn of the century marked by a brief human history when we could speak to the inception global order or global world order comprom excuse me guys, composed of amalgam amalgam of American idealism, traditional European concepts of state statehood and a balance of power. Yes. Cecil John Rhodes wrote about all of those things. So, wow, shocker. This is a concept that just ah, just happened to come together. But vast reasons of the world never shared and never shared and only antiquated in the Western concept of the order. And the reservations are now becoming explicit. For example, in the Ukrainian crisis in the South China Sea, the order established when proclaimed by the West stands at a turning point because we destabilized the entire region. First, the the nature of the state itself. The basic formal unit of international life has become subject to a multitude of pressures. Europe has been set out to transcend the state and craft a foreign policy based on the preliminary principles of soft power. So this is talking about the European Union, and he gets into a little bit later that um, yeah, people aren't really buying the idea of a giant state. So yeah, because you shouldn't buy into the fact that you should just release your sovereignty to some bigger and bigger institution that is not elected, that is appointed. So I mean, how dare you? How dare you have a free-thinking concept that you can actually control some of your own destiny on a local level much better than you can control it on a global scale. Once again, I have an idea that if we did want to do some kind of world government, that it should come from a local level and then move all the way up through the ranks and everybody should be elected and everybody should be accountable. But that's just me. I mean, I'm not against globalization, but I am against unelected bureaucrats running the world. And that's what this is. That's what this is all about. It's about the elite class, the quote unquote elite class that's going to depict and to, and to steer the future of society to what they believe is going to be the most ethical. Now, that's still always up for question because they think it's ethical to dumb you down and to to brainwash you and to and to and to make you a slave, a mental slave. You know, I saw a guy the other day, and I'll, I'll get back to the article here in a minute. And I'm going to skip some of this stuff because it's it's not really that important, <clears throat> but it's important. For, um, and and understand what these guys are talking about. So I saw a gentleman this um, during the week this week that had a on the front of his car he had a sticker or excuse me a license plate that said "Proud U.S. Taxpayer." Now, what does that even mean? Does he not understand where the taxes came from? Does he not understand that taxes were some of the reasons that we fought for independence? It's so funny to see is that, is that paying your taxes is being a good American. No. If you were going to be a good American, judging by the fruits of our founding fathers, you would give the bird to the IRS. You would give the bird to the people that want to take your money at gunpoint 
and and use it and misuse it and kick it to their buddies. I mean, come on. That is not what this country was about. Rugged individualism, individual liberty. That's what this was supposed to be about. But then people become uncomfortable with the fact that they might have to take some responsibility for their life so that they use government in order to make them feel safer, which, once again, any government that says it's going to make you safer and not protect your freedom is, by definition, a bad government. By definition. That should be a rule number one. The government comes out and says, we're going to make you safer. Not, we're going to do everything that we can to protect your freedoms and protect due process. Do you guys ever hear that? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Nope, can't do that. We're here to protect you. You're here to make me your slave. If you're here to protect me, that means you're going to build up something that's going to eventually enslave me. History has proven that over and over and over again. Okay, continuing in the article, and I'm going to skip down because a lot of it's just, um, you know, nonsense. The international order. Its prosperity is dependent on the success of globalization, and the process produces a political reaction that often is counter its aspirations. Yeah, because we don't want to be a part of a bureaucratic world state. I mean, is that so hard to understand? The third failing of the current orders exists such in the abstinence of the effective mechanism for the great powers to consult and possibly cooperate in most consequential issues. Yeah, and that's one of the clips that I'm going to play here in a second. This has seemed to... this. This may seem an odd criticism in light of the many multicultural forums that exist, more by far than at any other time in history. Yet the nature and frequency of these meetings work against the elaboration of a long-range strategy. <clears throat> the process permits little beyond, at best, the discussion of pending technical issues, and at worst, the new forum of symmetry as social media as a social media event the contemporary structure of forms if it is not to prove relevant cannot merely be affirmed by the joint declarations but must be fostered as a matter of common conviction the penalty for failing would be not would will be not so much a major war between states though some regions this remains a possibility. Has the evolution into spheres of influence identified with particular demographic structures and forms of governance? Its edge is each sphere at the edges, each sphere would be tempted to test its strength against the other's entity. Remember, they're selling you the idea that if we go with a global government, then all worlds, all wars will stop. No, it won't. It won't. Warfare is human nature, it will never stop. You can only just curtail it. And, and enlighten people. So, this is not stopping. The struggle between regions could eventually be more deliberating than the struggle between nations has been. Yeah, the, contem the contemporary quest for the world order is will require a cohesive strategy to establish a concept of order within various regions and relate the regional orders to one another which has already actually been in place for a very long time. It's come through the school system. If you look at how the school system back in the 1990s was set up, it was, you know, all everybody talks about Common Core and all that crap. Common Core is a set of standards that has just been nationalized. We were nationalized back in the 19, late eight, 1980s, early 1990s, because either people were too lazy, number one, which I would vote for that, and... They were also pushed to number two. So what happened was, um, I can't believe it, Michigan or Massachusetts, one of the two, came out with a set of standards. And then every other state was like, well, you're supposed to come up with these standards. And Pennsylvania was the only state that pushed back, but then they finally got conquered. So what happened was they took the standards that were set in Michigan and everybody just reprinted the standards in their own state. So what is that? That's standardization. It has already happened. So the people that get pissed off and say Obama's doing the stuff's already been here, people. Wake up and look at how it happened. It happens because either people are too lazy, which is, once again, a very great And also because they're forced to do so. Not forced, but encouraged. Sometimes financially encouraged to do so. So we can't just look at the works right now and say that six months ago that this is, this is why it happened. It doesn't make sense. 
you can't even say that eight years ago that this is why it happened. It doesn't make sense. Remember, policies take if you're if you're an executive or if you're any kind of leader of business, you understand this. If you make a policy change, it takes years for that policy change to take effect, and you start seeing the ramifications of the policy change. So think about how long that will take in a system that has 330 million people in it. It is not something that happens overnight. Obama doesn't just come out and say that we're going to do X, Y, and Z and then stamp a piece of paper. No, the stuff's already been in place. It was already in place. It was nothing. It was just a, an accredited – I don't even – just a label. Get away from the labels. Look at the meat and potatoes, and then we'll find out. So – uh, in conclusion, it says, for the U.S., this will require thinking two separately, seemingly contradictory levels. Double think. Hmm. Imagine that. The celebration of universal principles needs to be paired with the recognition of the reality of other regions, histories, cultures, and views on their security. Yeah, because they're terrified of us. I would be, too. Even though the lessons and challenges of decades have been examined, the affirmation of the U America's conceptual nature must be sustained. Yeah, because you need the war machine, Henry Kissinger. History offers no respite on <clears throat> two countries that set aside their sense of identity in favor of seemingly less accordious accord. Ador excuse me. Adorous accord. But nor does it success for the most elevated convictions in absence of a comprehensive geopolitical strategy, which you happen to develop, by the way, and Brzezinski developed. That's okay. Gee, I wonder why we always push for the same crap. Nah, because we go to the same people for the same answers. It's really not that difficult. All right, so here is an audio clip. It's about three minutes, so... This is from NPR, so enjoy, everyone. Remember, this is NPR, not brainwashing, because I talk like this, and I have a soothing voice. We receive hundreds of millions of dollars from your federal government and still ask for you to donate to your local public television station. Thank you for your cooperation, and thank you for the Rockefellers. For setting up this idea. Well, wrong audio. Sorry about that, everyone. I did have the... Oh, here it is. I am so sorry. Everybody, enjoy the impromptu music. No, I'm just totally kidding. Let's see if this is it. Some of the richest people in the world met in London for a conference today... They're talking about what they call inclusive capitalism, how to make the economy work for more people. NPR's Ari Shapiro reports it's a familiar message with some unexpected messengers. People have been talking about economic mobility and the wealth gap for years. Remember the Occupy movement? We are 99%. That video was from 2011. In 2012, themes of income inequality were central to President Obama's re-election campaign. And now he talks about the issue nonstop. I believe this is the defining challenge of our time. Making sure our economy works for every working American. So this conversation isn't new. What's noteworthy today in London is the people having it. It's not the 99%. It's not even the 1%. It's closer to the top one-tenth of 1%. 250 people from 37 countries by invitation only. Hmm. Lynn Forster de Rothschild, who runs a major investment nah. firm, organized this company. A major investment we have firm. 30 trillion dollars of assets under management in the room. 30 trillion dollars is about a third of the total investable wealth in the world. Hmm. If money have you is heard power, that before? then this is the most powerful group of people ever to focus on this issue. So if this bulk of capital decides that they are going to invest in companies that aren't only thinking about the short-term profit, then we will see corporate behavior change. Rothschild says the titans of finance did not necessarily fly to this meeting in London out of a sense of ethics or moral duty. No. For many, it's self-preservation. Bullcrap. that capitalism is under siege. Bullcrap. It's true that Bull the business crap. of business is not to solve society's problems, but it is really dangerous for business when business is viewed as one of society's problems. 
And that is where we are today. Prince Charles kicked off the morning's proceedings. Oh, God. What is so impressive about today's gathering mm. is that every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, is so well-placed to take the kind of action needed to uh, create a new form of inclusive capitalism. Mm -hmm. That phrase, inclusive capitalism, is deliberately broad. People talked about it as valuing long-term investment over short-term profits. <laughs> Some mentioned environmental stewardship. Others focused on treating workers well or redistributing wealth. <sighs> Christine Lagarde, who runs the International Monetary Fund... Oh, yeah, who's been indicted by... So the big question is, how can we restore and sustain trust? Nah, by cheating First everybody. Almost by making sure that growth is more inclusive uh -huh. and that the rules of the game lead to a level playing field favoring the many, not just the few. Later in the day, the group heard speeches from President Clinton oh, and Bank of England Chief Mark Carney. Mm -hmm. Critics suggest this may all be optics. The conference delegates did not sign on to a specific action plan or even publicly endorse a set of values. No. I suspect the return on investment in this conference is astonishingly low. Scott Winship is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. It sort of surprises me, I think, that you have a bunch of people in the investment community who apparently are viewing this uh, as, as having a significant return on investment in some way, whether the return is in people kind of patting them uh, on the back and saying thanks for caring about us, or in actual changes to policies. Conference organizer Rothschild says there will be follow-up with all of the delegates, but she made a conscious decision not to ask for any commitments up front. Even for me, she says laughing, I thought that would be a little pushy. Oh. Global elite really care. Do you guys really think that that, ha that that was worth anything? That was the biggest showpiece you could ever imagine in your entire life. Because the way that they're seeing it, people are becoming aware of the con. People are becoming aware of the situation. And it's not just the fact that they've got all the money and we don't. It's the fact that this is not capitalism. That what they're doing is not capitalism. What they're doing is crony capitalism. It's, it's monopoly capitalism. It's oligarchs. That's what it is. So this was to... To give the facade that they really do care. These people, listen, when they're talking about protecting their wealth, that is a bunch of crap. They own land. They own, I'm sure that they own precious metals. I'm sure that they own uh, food reserves. I'm sure that they own all these things. They don't care about protecting their ones and zeros. That's not what this is about. This is not about ones and zeros. This is about moving the ball down the field toward the goal of complete global governance. And then on top of that, coming back and circling back and giving you limitations on life, liberty, and property. That is all that it is. The very founding document that founded the United States that made this so great is completely under attack, and it's under attack by people that are internationalists. They're not nationalist. Henry Kissinger is not a nationalist. He doesn't care about the United States. When he talks about the United States needs to stay, you know, um, strict to its values and needs to be positioned where it is, he's talking about the military force of the United States. He's not talking about the ideas of liberty, property, um, not being taxed by a private bank banking syndicate, you know, those types of things. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the corporations. He's talking about the military-industrial complex. He's talking about the security-industrial complex. Because whatever happens here is going to be extracted from, once again, we're like the beta zone. Britain's like the security state. We're the beta zone for a police state. So anything that happens in America will be extracted and then supplanted throughout the world. We're going to be the model for the police state. And they're trying to figure out which model to go with, the model where they announce terror attacks or terror alerts to go and scare people. Remember Bush had the color coding system like damn Sesame Street, and they're like, well, actually the public's not that quite that dumb, so maybe we don't need to do color systems. So now they just say that we have a terror alert that's high and all this other stuff to stir you up and make you think that the terrorists are really going to attack you. When, once again, if you've ever read Terror Factory, written by John Abramson, I believe, he talks about that 98% of all the terrorists that have ever been caught in the United States were typically founded, funded, and run by the FBI or the CIA. So, it's the, it's the illusion 
that you need it. Remember, people, government doesn't exist. Buildings in suits behind desks. That's all they are. They are nothing more than that. There is no government. It is only in your mind. Only in your mind are you a slave to an entity that doesn't even exist, that gives people uniforms and little medallions and tells them to go around and enforce laws that, that aren't just. Only that. And as, and as long as we comply with it, as long as we believe in the fairy tale of government, people will always die overseas because of politicians. Remember, typically generals don't like going to war. That is that is a number one. They would rather have a diplomatic solution. Do you think that they want to look their their fellow guys in the eye and their subordinates and, and know that you know a certain percentage of those people won't be living anymore? Do you think that they want that? Do you think that I'm sure that there are some some warmongering generals out there, but for the most part, why would you want that? It should be the last resort. And that's what terrifies me about not only this administration, but the administrations in the past. Look at Hillary Clinton saying that we came, we saw, he died. How Orwellian is that? You just talked about leader, and you're talking about it like you did something in your pantsuit. Give me a break. Hopefully people can step past this idea, past this idea of constant intervention past this idea that we're going to spread democracy via force with the neocon idea which were just trotskyites you know pushed through the university of chicago because they got exiled so and who funded the trotsky I don't know, anyway wall street funded all these people at the end of the day we have to follow the money because the money is going to tell you a lot now, everybody's going to say, once again, the 1970s CIA developed term conspiracy theory. But if you actually look at what I'm telling you throughout history, typically it's large funding organizations that will fund operations, whether it's here or abroad, to destabilize regions and also to perpetuate war because war is going to make them tons and tons of money because they own most of the armaments industry. There's not a lot of money to be made in peace. But we have to find a way to supplant that because more than fifty percent of all of our all of our budget here in the United States goes to goes to the military. Guys, I don't want you to be in the line of fire for nobody. I don't want you to be in the line of fire because Russia and the Ukraine, Russia and the EU are battling and squabbling over over a gas pipeline. That's what it's all about: money, resources, and energy. That's all it'll ever be about. And then when you hear and go into the conference of Rio and they talk about how the first world will never curtail its idea of consumption. And so we have to de world and bring the first world down in order to move into a more sustainable planet, planetary idea. And hey, you, you people that are, that are all about you know, global warming or global cooling or climate change or whatever the hell, you're buying into it. So you're all for the deindustrialization of America. So that's why I tell you guys to go jump off a bridge because you don't know where your where your strategy leads. I do. Your strategy leads to us living in in tiny apartments, government with smart meters and smart chips in your phones, and oh, black boxes in your car. I told you about that three years ago. Tracking and tracing you and taxing you by the mile. So that being said, let's transition on to this that I thought was fantastic. So, hey, guess what? Fox News is down for it. They're down for globalization. They're down for the spy state. They're down for all of this stuff. And it's called Innovation, published yesterday by John Brennan. Is there a microchip implant in your future? <laughs> oh, my God. Can we stop the madness, people? Can we stop watching and go, whoa, 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 whoa. A chip? So here comes the cell. And of course, there's going to be a little smidge in them. Yeah, maybe the dad, maybe. Here we go. 
you can inject one under your skin and no one will ever notice. Using short-range radio frequency identification, RFID, you can transmit your identity as you pass through a security checkpoint or walk into a football stadium. Remember, this is a trusted traveler. This is all brainwashing to get you accept the microchip so that they can shut your bank account off. They can shut you off. They can make it so you can't buy and sell. You watch the net back in the 1990s. It's the exact same thing. Don't, don't, don't. If they're selling it to you, don't ever buy it. Don't. Continuing. It can help you buy groceries at Walmart. In the worst case scenario, if you're kidnapped, of course, always if you're kidnapped, in a foreign country, for example, it could save your life. Oh, look at the RFID's going to save you. Isn't that great? Microchip implants like these are pet owners used to track their dogs and cats, which actually give them cancer and kill them in most instances, but they don't even go into that because they probably don't even know or research it. They just blurt some stupid crap out. These people drive me insane. Could become common. Oh, here we go. It's okay, everybody. Take the chip. It's a good deal. You're already wearing that thing on your wrist. Just get the chip underneath it. Yeah, you can already talk on your wrist. Yeah, now you can talk on your phone inside your own head. That's the next article I'm going to read. Experts have been divided on whether this should approach this for people, but implants could offer several advantages for soldiers and journalists in war zones. The implant could make the difference. They, we already have this for soldiers, by the way. The implant could be the difference between life and death. The tracker could also help law enforcement quickly locate a kidnapped kid. It's all for the children. Make sure you chip your kids. What if they run off? Such a joke. How about just um, maybe watch your kids? Maybe be a responsible adult and don't brainwash your kids and throw them in front of a television and send them to government school. Whatever. In the long run, chip implants could make it less intrusive for some emerging ID systems. Oh, some emerging ID systems, which just so happen to be based on these RFID chips. But so it's not a plan or anything. This is all just, you know, this is all just coincidental history, which rely on physical biometrics. Eye pattern says Alexander King Ping Pong, or excuse me, that's funny that I even said that. Alex Soon Kim Pang, author of the book Distraction Addiction, visit uh, and visiting scholar at Stanford University's Peace Innovation Lab. Doesn't that sound nice? Yeah, Peace Innovation. Come on now. There could be a matter. Fighting crime will be much easier using the chips, says the sci-fi author Larry Larry Niven, who predicted chip implants in the 1970s. Yeah, because they said they were going to do this. Niven said he supports chip implantations for security reasons, provided it's an opt-in measure. And then if you don't opt-in, you're not going to be able to buy and sell. So it doesn't matter anyway. Ramirez Ram leading early development of Microsoft software projects, a new popular speaker and author says innovations using chip implantation help monitor and locate people with Alzheimer's disease. Remember, it's for the kids and it's to locate your grandfather. I got I to pull up my show that I did on this like two years ago. I said all of this stuff. Of course, it's not hard. You just have to read and, and understand how these people's minds work and know how they're going to sell it to you. It's always for the kids and it's always to... Help dear old dad when he gets old and wanders off. It can be used to track your activities of felons who have just been released from prison. Chips are being used today in large um, to manage farm animals. Farmers can track sheep. <laughs> Imagine the ironic notion there. Farmers can track sheep. Hmm. Pigs, horses, as they move through the gate and eventually instantly make sure that they are eating properly. Oh, that's the other thing they're going to do with it is count your calories and stuff like that. This is so bizarre. Those same chips were found in devices that activate gas pump to turn a ring king and the anti-theft devices in cars. Oh, now nobody can steal your car. Isn't that great? Woohoo! Unless they turn off your chip, then you can't drive your car. Ah. An electrical engineer and uh, Stu Lipoff. Institute of Electrical Engineers and Engineers and Electronic excuse me, Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers spokesman. There have been many people who volunteered for an apartment using personalized ID using your arm. It would be used to track criminals. Once again, it's never for you tracking you and all the shit that you're doing. Excuse my language. This is all about criminals and protecting you. It's a such propaganda. Holy crap.
possible uses in the future. Implants are normal ranges. Yeah, so it's okay. As you, but remember, the spy grid is set up everywhere, and it'll probably connect to Wi-Fi and report you back to Homeland Security. But that would be like the Nazis, and we're not like them, even though we brought a bunch of them over here to show us what they did. It's okay. As you walk through a portal or close to a transponder, the chips implanting would track people require infrastructure and respondents scattered around the city to read the identity in public building street corners, says Lipoff. They have already got this stuff in place, dude. Come on, man. I sell this stuff for a living. But consider the possibilities. People could unlock their homes and cars. Listen to how easy it's going to make life. Could unlock their homes and cars and gain access to a building, pass through the airport, oh, remember the trusted traveler, and even unlock their laptops without using a phone or a watch. A PIN code could be used to activate ID chip or deactivate it. Oh, a PIN code could be used to activate the chip or deactivate it to maintain privacy. Hmm. <laughs> or if they don't want you to buy anything. Who does not see this? Oh, easy. They're easy to install and remove because they're under the skin and they are not abrasive. The chips, which could be the size of a thumbnail, will be injected in the arm or the hand. If children were chipped, teachers would be able to take attendance in the classroom. I can't even read this stuff. Lipoff said the GPS would not work on the skin because it would block the signal, although the new near communications chips with the current smartphones would work to lower the power requirement. However, no one has tried to use the NFC chips yet. If you buy that, I will give you a billion dollars. Police could track their cars and read data without needing to scan license plates. A hospital administrators could locate a doctor without having to rely on a pager. And if you walked into a donut shop, the owner could read your taste preferences and know whether and not needing a loyalty card, which also spies on you. So this is just all great stuff. But is it ethical? That's what he's going to ask. Let me guess what his response is going to be. I'm going to vote for absolutely. This is the best thing to slice bread. All right. Excuse my voices this morning, guys. I have just now had my coffee kick in. Like any tech advancement, concerns about wrong people accessing the information and tracking how about and tracking the chips have been swirled around the FDA approval from the first implantable microchip in 2004. Nam and Pang both did it. Both cited potential abuses for hacking the infrastructure, stealing your identity, and invading your privacy and knowing your driving habits. The questions about how long a felon would be able to track an implant, an implant which would be a small and not use a battery, might be might not be as secure as a heavily encrypted smartphone. So they haven't figured out what they're going to do yet. Tony Dunn, who attempted missing persons on his TNT show. Yes, let's act and ask an actor what he thinks. This is so ridiculous. APB with Tony Dunn says the chip... Hip plant will make his job easier, but he is strongly against the practice for most people. <laughs> Probably just for the felons. I only support GPS tracking and monitoring of convicted felons while in prison or on parole, the sex offenders forever, and for children if parents say opt-in is yes. And I am mentally against chipping of anyone else. Using the chimp implants to locate abducted children, remember it's always about the children, could actually have an opposite effect. Pang says that the microchip could be a missing person be easier to rescue. Kidnappers want ransoms, not dead bodies. So the dangerous time for victims is during the rescue attempts and the kidnappers would think the police are closing in. And beyond the obvious privacy issues, which they never reference, they just say beyond all this, there are some strange injection points in the body, says the yes, peacemaker, yet peacemakers, hmm, pacemakers, excuse me, pacemakers and other embedded devices are commonly used. People might fight, people might find it a bit unsavory, but if it is not used to track you and part of the privacy issues, there are many interesting applications. But why would it not be used to track you? I think this is so ridiculous. Whatever. I'm, I'm glad that this morning, especially being in the state of consciousness that I'm in. So, what do you think? Tracking us is good? Look, the RFID chip is, I mean, just there's, there's a few security issues. Just a, a couple. Knowing that I want this government to have that with these crazy people. Knowing that this is a plan to give the global elite their own little chip that'll say, ah, screw you. 
And you guys can find that on YouTube. If I find it on YouTube, I will repost it. But basically, that's what they talk about is having everybody with a chip, and then they're going to have their own little chip, and they're gonna, their chip's going to have a big middle finger on it, and your chip's going to keep you in the slave state. Ah, doesn't that sound like fun? But remember, I'm a conspiracy theorist because I read books. Because I read old books and like, hey, this kind of sounds like what they're doing now. I bet they're going to do this, and I bet they're going to sell it to you this way. And gee, I wonder how I knew it, because they don't change strategy, people. If it works, don't change it. Triple reverse, flea flicker, touchdown. It's the same play every time, and you fall for it. So until we get to the point where we can have critical thinking, and everybody critically thinks, it says, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because some blonde with pouty lips on TV says that this is a good idea for me, I don't know. I don't know. All right, we got about 10 minutes. I have time to cover this article. Let me see. All right, I can speed. Too difficult. Next, could we soon send emails telepathically from the mind of a colleague 5,000 miles away using only brainwaves? Woohoo! Here we go. Yeah, chips, brain communication, telepathy, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, and guys, go listen to my Tom Campbell interview, the first one, and he talks about the tel- the isolation tanks and everything like that. So it's it's actually very this stuff back in the seventies, all funded by CIA money. But ah, don't look into that. Ah, they don't want it. The government's good, man. There is no black budget. What are you talking about? Brainwave sensing. Telepathically control everything in real life from helicopters to characters in a video game. Now the new tech has gone a step further, allowing someone in India to send an email to his colleague in France with using nothing but the power of his mind. Researchers use electrographic or electro EEGs. There we go. Thank you. EEG headsets to record electrical activity from the neurons firing in the brain and convert them into Ola and Chow into binary. So this really does show you that we are part of the Matrix, and this is coming. So get ready, everybody. We're going to have to have a debate on this. Otherwise, we're all going to end up in damn tanks living in a computer screen with simulation. Which, who's to say that we're not already? Ooh, that was a good twist, wasn't it? In EEG, electronic currents are, uh, in the brain are linked to different thoughts and feed into the computer interface. The, inter- the computer analyzes the signal and controls its action. Latest study, when post P plus one, researchers decided to replace the computer interface with another brain to receive the signals. The initial tests, the greetings were sent from a volunteer in Trifium Fauna, uh, India, to Strasbourg, France. There, the computer... Electronic simulation to implant in the receiver's brain. The message appeared as flashes of light in the corner of the vision, and the light appeared in, in sequences that allowed the receiver to decode the information of the message. Researchers conducted similar experiments through which they transmitted two participants, one in France and one in Spain. The second experiment resulted in a total error of 15%, 5% in the encoding, and 11% with the decoding, which would be 16%, but whatever. Technology developed a part of the collaboration between the University of Barcelona and Axiom Robotics in France, Harvard Medical School, and Star Lab Barcelona in Spain. According to researchers, the first time that humans have sent almost directly to each other's brains, we anticipate that computers in the not-so-distant future will interact directly with the human brain, once again, just selling you the transhumanism, in a fluent manner supporting the computer brain-to-brain communication routinely. Brain to, or human-to-brain technology is gaining traction. In May, German scientists showed how seven pilots use their mind to control a flight to control mind to Use mind control to fly and astonishingly accurate. In a simulation, several pilots managed to land the approach in poor visibility. One was able to land in a few meters uh, from the runway's center line. Meanwhile, in June, the University of Oregon researchers unveiled a device that would claim to be able to monitor memories in order to real-time see what a person's thinking. This is, once again, cool. Like me, super cool. Uh, Also, a little bit scary. Because who's going to regulate this stuff? I mean, who's going to who who would stand to gain by getting some of this technology? Not me, not you. 
Imagine what you could do. It would literally be 1984 slash Brave New World. It would be banana sandwich. Because we see with all the technology they get now what they do, and then they lie to you. Guys, they spy on you every day now. What? Why would you think it will be any different? It won't be any different. So what do we do? How do we, how do we combat all this stuff? Well, there's, there's no real way. To, we have to inform ourselves. We have to make educated decisions. We have to teach people how to critically think because that was taken out of the school system. So we have to go through all of these hoops and all of these steps in order to get to an idea or even a place where we can do all this stuff. Because tech's moving so fast and the population is, for the most part, distracted. Real innovations happen. innovation everywhere. That's really cool stuff. If I could sit here and tell my wife, hey, bring me another cup of coffee, and, you know, telepathically. But who gets to see the info? Who gets to determine what kind of device I use? Who gets the data? And if we make all this stuff open source, then I'm all for it. Because then we can actually have people go through and check it and say, no, 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 this port's open to send it over here. And yeah, I, I got real nerd speak on you guys. But in essence, that's what it boils down to. The whole show t- to try to get people to understand that there is a larger plan in place. That the reason that I can predict things, the reason I can talk about issues two years ago with RFID chips and how they're going to roll them out and then have it come, magically come to fruition is not because I'm super smart. I'm, I'm savvy in how to sell stuff. So I would think of the way that I would sell it. Typically, anytime that you want to sell something that's going to be new and innovative, you want to, if you're selling it to the parents, you want it to be to protect their children. If you're selling it to the kids, you want to make it hip and trendy. And also, if you're selling to that middle ground, you want to sell it to the fact that they can, that it will benefit their aging parents. Because you sell to the emotional point. Once again, that's why we're emotionally taught to buy all through public schooling. We're taught to have emotional reactions to everything, whether it's conversations, whether it's the idea of of a different, whether it's the idea of anything. You have to have an emotional reaction to it, because if you have a if you go through the process of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and try to understand the situation where you ask people questions, what does this term mean? What do you mean by this term? What do you mean by that term? Then we can actually have a discussion. So we're conditioned to emotionally purchase because that's the only thing that keeps this economy going, that and the propaganda machine that perpetuates the war state. But that's a whole different topic for a whole other day. I just want you guys to be aware of the situation at hand. And once again, if you want deeper dives for this stuff, because Josh and I are, after we finish up our, um, our I think it's going to be a four-part series on the history of, of Nazis and and all of their esoteric and background and history, it really does give you guys some... Uh, what's the best word? It gives you a whole picture of how something like that could happen. But it also gives you an idea of how these people sell the concepts. That's what's important to understand. They're going to sell you concepts. The global controllers, the people that look to steer societies because they have an end goal in mind, they're looking to do certain things, and the way that they're going to accomplish it is by implementing these strategies that proven accurate or proven effective. Now, the British Empire took the Freemasonic model and utilized Freemasonry to a really great extent to create a global network. So they sold it through the Freemasons, and the Freemasons went around, and that's why a lot of people stop at the level and say, oh, this is all a Freemason thing. No, no, no. The British Empire used the Freemasons as a um, as kind of a catalyst, ball rolling in to get the concepts out there. And then they came in over the top with their ideas and the Rhodes Roundtable and using that to leverage Western society all across the world. And that's why you have Henry Kissinger talking about it was kind of, you know, driven by the West, so to speak, towards the beginning. No, no, no. It's always been driven by the West. This is it. This is the global governance. 
Study Cecil John Rhodes. Study the Rhodes Roundtable. Listen to Peace Revolution when they talk about it. They'll give you all the background info that you need. Hey, read Tragedy and Hope. There's another one for you. So that's it for the show, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thanks for listening. Share the podcast with people you know, people you love, and people you like. Maybe even people you don't like and say, hey, you might want to start thinking about this stuff. So thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in hopefully Thursday of this week, and we'll be able to get another show up there. So hasta luego. You deserve your freedom. And freedom. Dance in the feeling that